Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Life Church and uh, all of you who are joining us online for this series called The God Questions. Now, we've been looking at some common questions associated with God, and we've hit lots of the basics about it, the who, the what, the how. Today, we're going to kind of pivot into a why, like why do people become Christians? And here's how I've heard it posed. Isn't Christianity boring? Isn't it boring? And what they're really saying is, why would anyone just want to live a religious life? Well, today we're going to tackle that horribly misplaced thinking. And it's, it's way off, but here's how we'll start. Uh, there was a guy that lived in a two-story home with his wife and his kids. And the window in the upstairs bathroom opened out onto the roof. One day he and his wife are out in the front yard and they hear a little voice coming from up on the roof. And uh, as soon as mom saw that their son is up on the roof, she yells out at him to get down and get back inside and immediately you know, lays the commandments down. But looking right past his mom, the son calls out to his dad, hey, dad, is, is it okay if I jump? And mom immediately jumps in and answers on his behalf, no, you can't jump, get back in the house, because that's what moms do. But the dad shouts out, yeah, go ahead. And needless to say, this led to a later discussion. Uh, but the boy says, really? And the dad says, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and jump. It's better to have you go ahead and do that now while we're here, because if you fall and break your legs, at least we're here to send you to the hospital. There's a long pause there. And the kid says, dad, do you think I'll make it? And uh, dad says, oh yeah, you'll definitely make it. And that was the one thing he was certain about. He was definitely gonna reach the ground. The kid says, okay, I'm gonna jump, I'm gonna jump. Dad says, you know, son, before you go, make sure you, you try to clear the concrete and land on the grass. It's a lot softer. And the son thought that was a pretty good idea. So he got a running start and took off. And just before that big launch, he yells out, dad, catch me. And dad says, I'll try. And uh, dad says, I almost caught him. <laughs> At least I broke his fall a little bit, slowed him down a little bit. Well, the kid lived to tell the tale, just had a few scratches and bruises, but he was fine. Here's the point. There is a tension inside of us that both avoids risk and yet longs for it. Real Christianity is filled with leaps of faith, steps that may be uncomfortable. And it's been that way really since the beginning. It's a life of faith and risk and obedience when we don't always know what's coming next. So if the children that we raise in the faith are ever going to wander away from Christ, they need to understand this that to walk away from Jesus is to walk away from a life of faith, risk, and adventure. And they're choosing a life that is boring, mundane, and ordinary. They're choosing, in other words, they're choosing a less than life. Christianity, friends, is the opposite of boring. Matter of fact, it brings challenge and adventure beyond what most are willing to bear. Christianity is just not for the faint of heart. And a growing relationship with God through Jesus is going to require the very, very best from you. And although we follow a perfect Lord, none of us are perfect. Therefore, the road will be bumpy. There'll be ups and downs. There'll be highs and lows. But what remains is the steadfast love and grace of God. Like the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.39, he said, Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. A little later on, God speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
That's good news. See, the adventure of a lifetime is following Jesus. It is anything but boring. Now, I will say that misfiring on what Christianity really is all about can lead to an extremely boring life, like the worst possible life. So it's critical to get the foundation right when it comes to hooking your wagon to Jesus and to Christianity. If you just sign on to a set of morals and rules and principles to live by, you're going to miss it. And your entire life will become an adventure and missing the point. And you don't want that. I'll explain that a little bit later. But here's something we have to remember. Christianity is not static. It's ever moving. And if you're staying still, it means you're not growing. And that would be boring for sure. So with all that in mind, I'd like to walk us through today through what I call four phases that a person goes through on their spiritual journey from the very beginning point all the way to the point of maturity. First, there is the spiritual bystander phase. And then there's the spiritual seeker phase. Then there's the Christ following phase. And finally, there's the kingdom builder phase. Some of you out there remember very, very clearly what it was like to just be a spiritual bystander, a mere onlooker, something that's kind of on the outside looking in and wondering if there's anything to spiritual realities. You might remember the days when God or the Bible or Jesus or the church or anything to do with spiritual matters just had no place on your social media feed. It was just not even on your radar whatsoever. I remember talking to a friend of mine who came to faith in Jesus, but he was recalling the time before he made that faith step. And he said he remembered driving past churches in his car thinking, why? Why would anybody go to church? Maybe that's your perspective right now. Maybe you remember flipping through channels on TV and stumbling onto some Christian TV and wondering like why the hair is always so big or why they paint all the furniture gold or why they say things like glory, glory, or it's all gonna burn. Actually, lots of us wonder about that, but none of that stuff, none of Christianity really made much sense to you. You may not have been antagonistic about it all. You just didn't care. Well, you might even be in the tail end of that phase right now. And that's fine. I get it. You know, we all start somewhere. But then there's that next phase, a second one. We call the seeker stage, where you start to get curious about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, about salvation, about eternity. So you might start reading parts of the Bible openly. You get into it and you say, okay, I know people talk about this, but I want to see for myself what this is all about. So you take responsibility for looking at it, reading it, maybe even studying parts of it, figuring it out what it all means to you. Maybe you start coming to a church like Life Church or something like this, and you start to take it all in. You read a book, you listen to stuff online, you start asking questions of Christians that you respect. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're in that seeker stage. Maybe that's why you're here and tuned in today. Well, you should know that in the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah in chapter 29, it says, those who seek diligently for God will find him. You will find him. That's the seeking stage. Now, lots of us know about the Christ following stage. That's when you finally take that step and you ask Jesus Christ to be your own personal savior. Now, after you've done some seeking, 
you come to the conclusion that Jesus really is the Son of God. He is who he said he is, that he really did give his life for the salvation of the world. But then you go a little past that and you say, well, I know that he's the Savior of the world, but I, I want him now to become my Savior and the forgiver of my sin and the one who redeems me. And so you take that step. You invite Christ into your life. You become a Christ follower and you begin to grow in your faith. You start taking spiritual steps forward and live with the assurance that you're a part of God's family. You start connecting with other believers and set out to start growing. So lots of you can identify with that phase. Then there's the kingdom building phase. This is the next stage of spiritual development where you begin to understand the vanity and the meaninglessness of so much that goes on in our world. You see the nonsense that makes the headlines these days. Celebrities and sports and Hollywood gossip and the political posturing and the materialistic quest for more or anything to do with Beyonce and Jay-Z. But in this kingdom building stage, you realize I'm starting to get what really matters in life. You start to see that your connection to God really is at the top of the list. You begin to realize that the deep relationships in your life, they really matter. And you understand that it's really important to start investing your efforts and your energies into those things that really carry significance, like eternal stuff. Now, in this final stage of development, kingdom builders get intentional about being really strategic with their lives. I'm not saying they become frenzied about it, but they just open their lives to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and they get proactive to build a really strong relationship with God. And they sense that God wants them to become very intentional in advancing the kingdom of God in this world and helping others to find the joy and the peace and the love in Jesus Christ that they found. Some people get really, really serious about leveraging their own lives to see these things happen. Some of you out there are in this kingdom building stage right now. You're really good at it. So if I were to summarize all this, I'd say that spiritual bystanders shake their heads and wonder why anybody would ever waste their time in church. The seeker phase, well, they visit churches here and there to try to figure out if there's anything to it all. Then the Christ followers, they prioritize connecting with the church and the people that become a part of that so it contributes to their growth and they begin to make a difference in their world. But kingdom builders, kingdom builders, they roll up their sleeves and they commit themselves to strengthening and expanding the influence of God's church as best they can. They're no longer just members of an audience. They become an army and they march out to make a difference in their world through the church. So we got it. Bystanders, seekers, Christ followers, and kingdom builders. Now, I've been at this full time for 30 years now, and it, it has been my long time observation that rarely does a person move from one stage in their spiritual, spiritual development to another stage without having an experience that I'll call a jump, a jump. I mean, you just don't meander into this advancing of stages. You don't just drift haphazardly from 
spiritual bystander, into seekerhood, into Christ following, and then into kingdom building. You don't just somehow find yourself there. Matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. Something instigates it. There's something that's a catalyst. And I want us to take a look at a, an example of this from scripture. It comes from Acts chapter nine. Uh, this is uh, having to do with Saul. Saul at this point in time is not a real big fan of Jesus. But here's the story. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. So. Saul was faced with an opportunity to jump. And most of us know this story and know that he did jump and his life took on new meaning from that point forward. But Saul had a choice, just like we all have a choice. Jump or do nothing. Most people tend to stay put. They stay locked into their current stage. But God will allow things to happen. Something will happen. Often an event leads to it or the sort of knocked off their horse in a Damascus road type experience like Saul. God will allow, God will allow enough chaos or disequilibrium in your life to motivate a jump from your current comfort to whatever comes next. There is even friends, there is even a common thread among what leads to these jumps. I find that there are three things that tend to lead us into jumping position. Either it is a compelling truth, an excruciating pain, or an irresistible love. It's usually one of those three. Truth, pain, or love force us into those soul-wrenching reflection eras, and we get to that point where we finally call out, that's it. I can't stay here any longer. I've got to move on. I've got to make a decision that with God's help, it's going to take me to the next phase, no matter what the risk no matter what the cost, we get to that point. So you take that leap forward in your spiritual development. You leave what lies behind. You jump forward with only the faith that going onward with God is better than staying put. Because you know enough. You know enough to realize this. To stay put means saying a lot of no's to God. And when you get in the habit of saying no to God, you are in a slow but certain decline towards death. So what I want to do in the time that remains today is to just increase your awareness as to the importance of these moments in your life that afford you the opportunity to jump from spiritual bystander to seekerhood, to becoming a Christ follower, to being a kingdom builder. All right, here's an example. Years ago, I, I stood in the waiter station of the restaurant in which I worked with a guy there uh, who had no clue about Christianity at all. And honestly, he was literally the worst guy that I knew. We just recently started working together and talking, and he knew that I was a Christian, but he thought that I was reasonably normal, and that confused him. <laughs> so this is what he said to me, out of the blue. He came and said, so what's the deal with all this God and Christian stuff? What do you do? Give away all your stuff, 
stop doing everything fun and you're in? He said, what's the story? He was a spiritual bystander. No clue, no history, and no pursuit. But I got a, I got a chance to talk at length with him and show him what the Bible said that Christianity was really all about. And it really shocked this guy. He was under the impression that all Christians were sour-faced, judgmental idiots. That's what he thought. But within days, he began seeking God. He received this truth and it opened his eyes to the possibility that there might be something to all this. A compelling truth, friends. It was a compelling truth caused the jump from bystander to seeker. It was a significant moment in his progress. And he, have, he kept on going and he walks with God to this day. All right, another quick example. Uh, many years ago, Patty, my assistant, who many of you know, uh, she knocked on my office door to tell me that there was a young woman waiting out in reception that wanted to meet with me. Um, she didn't have an appointment, but she was willing to wait there until I was through the string of appointments that I had that morning. Uh, not long after that, she was let in, and I, and I met this soft-spoken young lady that I could tell in about five seconds was carrying some serious hurt and was hanging on by a thread. And she was doing her best to just cry and not let loose the Hoover Dam of pain. And she knew her only hope was God, but she wasn't quite sure how to start over. And we talked for a good hour. We prayed together for her life to be committed to Jesus. And she began following Christ. I got to be honest with you. I was very concerned for her. She had so much to work through. And I hoped and prayed that she would stay connected there at the church in order just to grow out of danger. She did stay. She did lock in at the church. She did keep following Christ. Eventually, she got involved in ministry with us, and many of us know her as a dear friend today. This was Judy Manis, who is now Judy Hinson. She spent time as a missionary in Africa for a while, and she now serves alongside her husband, Rick, in ministry. They're just a great couple who loves God. But it was that moment that she moved from seekerhood to becoming a Christ follower, and it was a result of an excruciating pain. I saw it. So, are you catching how this works? People don't just cruise from bystander to seekerhood, to Christ following, to kingdom building. It just doesn't happen that way. We kind of stay where we are until something makes us jump from one point to the next. That happens also to be the pattern all through the pages of scripture. Something jolts us and positions us to jump. A burning bush, a lost fortune, a debilitating illness, or a powerful message, something. Jolts of truth or pain or love force us to grapple in ways that we never would have otherwise. And out of those experience comes a time where we say, that's it, I'm taking action. I can't stay in this place any longer. I don't know exactly what lies ahead at the next phase, but with God's help, I'm gonna jump, I'm gonna jump. This happens in each of the stages, friends. And you know, once someone jumps from bystander to seekerhood, you would think that the momentum would just carry them over right into Christ following and then keep going all the way, but I just don't see that happening. Usually what happens is we get jolted and we jump into the next phase, but then things settle down and they smooth out a little bit. 
and we get comfortable for a while until boom, it just happens again. Another compelling truth, another excruciating pain, maybe even this discovery of God's irresistible love. It upsets our apple cart so thoroughly that we move on to the next category. So I'll say it again. If you're a seeker checking this out, you are probably not going to drift into becoming a Christ follower. It's gonna take a jump brought on by a truth like this, or maybe some pain, maybe an experience of God's love, until you come to that place you say, today is the day. With God's help, I'm gonna take that step. It's also very true, it's also true, that even people that are in the Christ follower category rarely become real kingdom builders without these jolts of truth or pain or love to motivate them to make that decision, to make that move. I remember hearing about uh, President Jimmy Carter. He admitted that there was a time in his life when he was content to just be a casually committed Christ follower. But one day a guy came up to him and said, Mr. Carter, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And Carter was leveled by the nature of that question and the truth that it revealed about his life. Forced him to reevaluate everything. So he looked at his values, he looked at his involvements, the use of his money, where his energies were directed, where his ultimate allegiance was focused. And the jolt of that question sent him into a season of deep reflection, out of which came a jump for him, leaving behind the comfort of casual Christ following into the high-risk region of being a real kingdom builder. And he did. And regardless of what you think about his politics, the last phase of his life was absolutely kingdom building. Friends, you know, when Jesus said the words, follow me, he means keep following me. He's developing kingdom builders. And whatever that involves, wherever it takes us, it will be worth it because of this truth. That following Jesus is more fulfilling than living with everything in the world minus him. Let me say that again. Following Jesus is more fulfilling than living with everything in the world minus him. I think we've forgotten that. Sometimes I think we've become so refined that the benefits of our faith have actually become more important to us than the point of our faith, following Jesus. And that may bother some people. Some people may think, well, Pastor Chip, that's a little intrusive. It's a little risky sounding. You know, a lot of people think that taking risks is foolish, but kingdom builders see that following Jesus is not meant to be the safest route, at least not as far as we define safe. Listen to this prayer that was recorded by Sir Francis Drake. Listen to these words. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little when we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of the things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. We're losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. Now, here's what it all comes down to. I can stay in the minor leagues of casually committed Christians, hang on to my ticket, play around between here and heaven, and wind up standing before Christ with nothing to show for my time in following him. Or 
I can take these jumps of faith and say, okay, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? I turn over my whole life, my whole future, my time and my talent and my treasures to you. Here it is, Lord, whatever, wherever, however, it's yours because I'm yours. There are a lot of people who are comfortable Christ followers who think, you know, someday I'm going to drift into kingdom building. It won't happen. You'll never drift there. You've got to jump in that direction. The truth, there's truth that's coming at you that has potential to jolt you. There is some pain coming your way that will have the potential to jolt you. There's going to be some encounters with the irresistible love of God that can melt you and jolt you into saying, that's it for comfortable Christianity. It's time for a jump. I want to be a kingdom builder. All right, final words today. You know what Jesus called these moments? He called it the time of your visitation. He was talking in Luke 19 to some people and he said, you didn't recognize the time of your visitation. Well, what is the time of visitation? It is a, one of these defining moments when you're in those soul-wrenching times of figuring out the next step for you, where the Holy Spirit's presence is very, very real to you. Your heart's beating fast. Your mind is reeling. You know something big is trying to happen in your soul. And Jesus says, don't take those moments lightly. Don't take those moments of visitation lightly. They can alter the future of your life. That might be happening in you right now. The Holy Spirit's nudging you on the inside, saying you've been seeking long enough. Mark today as the day you gave your life to Christ, that you crossed that line and you said, I wanna become a Christ follower this morning. I know enough already, I just gotta take that step. Maybe that's you today. For others, You've been comfortable in the ranks of Christianity. And some of you are having a little bit of inner quaking right now. It's your time of visitation. So just say enough. I can't stay put. Staying put is saying no. So if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Is there evidence in your involvements in your relating patterns, in the use of your money, where your ultimate allegiance lies, what you're doing with your life. Is there evidence beyond half-hearted claims? Where does the evidence of your life lead? So which category would you find yourself in today? Are you a spiritual bystander? Are you a spiritual seeker? Are you a Christ follower or a kingdom builder? Which are you and which do you want to be? Don't let this time of visitation pass. Let today be a move to the jump platform. Starts right here and right now. Yeah, right here and right now. It's time to jump. I know that you can, and now I believe that you will. I want you to take a moment and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we understand the power of these moments where you call us to move beyond our comfort where we are and jump into the next phase. Lord, your Holy Spirit is at work inside of us right now. And I would just ask that you help us to respond. Give us the courage to respond. Lord, we understand that staying put is saying no, and we don't wanna do that. So God, take our hand and help us move to this next step. We trust in you and we trust in your power to help us do this. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, friends, let me leave you with this. Go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, the God who came still comes, and the God who spoke still speaks. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.